Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries with John and Hannah. Hi. What are we talking about today then, Hannah? Dinosaurs, because they're cool. So, look, this is an episode that you suggested. So, are we talking about real dinosaurs here, fictional dinosaurs? How are we approaching this? Well, that, that's kind of the first thing that I wanted to cover. Cause that's handy. <laughs> when... When you and I think about dinosaurs, we're probably thinking about the creatures that you see in Jurassic Park. Yeah, I've got me as soon as someone says dinosaurs, I do start thinking. <laughs> so, like, great big lizards, big teeth, really stupid. Yeah, pretty much. And I just want to point out, we knew a lot more about dinosaurs in the 90s than we did in the 1850s when they built like the sculptures at Crystal Palace okay you know with the famous four-legged iguanodon with the spike on its nose which oh yeah actually it's actually turned out thumb, to be its it? thumb yeah, yeah we know as much if not more about dinosaurs now than we did in the 90s than there was found out in that gap okay so, so our knowledge has moved on a great deal since, yeah. since Jurassic Park so we still don't know a massive amount about dinosaurs if we're realistic about it okay what we look at now the best researched archaeological papers about dinosaurs right now paleontological papers someone will call me on that if i don't say it um the best researched ones right now will look like marco polo's texts in 100 years time okay no matter how good they can get but what I'm trying to underline there is that what you and I think of as dinosaurs are basically fantasy creatures already. So yes, why true. are we not putting them in D&D more often? Well, I mean, yeah, I suppose the only times I've really sort of seen them in, like, fantasy games or role-playing games in general are when you do, like, the sort of, like, Lost World-style scenario, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, th- that's sort of the next thing that I wanted to talk about, like, the settings that you do tend to find them in. And you've... I could come up with three so, like scenarios that I've seen people pitch as for a role-play game. Okay. Um, so you've got like a 10,000 years BC fantastical Stone Age type thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I've got a whole RPG down there called Paleomythic. Mm-hmm. And you've got potential there for like different species of human filling the same roles as like elf dwarf orc would in a standard fantasy setting yeah because you've still got neanderthal and dennis overman about at that time um you've got like mammoths and all that kind of stuff in the cold places and then in the warm jungly places you've got dinosaurs great sandbox game for any group that like wants to go out and adventure against the wild or build up a civilization. It's funny you should mention mammoths actually because I, I do see mammoths in quite a lot of like sword and sorcery games mm-hmm. and I mean I've used them in my games mm-hmm. and they seem to get a lot more used than dinosaurs. Well, in the real world mammoths were still about when they were building the pyramids. There was a lot of overlap between humans and mammoths. All right, okay. And I think Maybe it's because so many people who like D&D tend to lean to sort of sciencey things that they don't like putting dinosaurs in with humanoids because they yes. know it's wrong. Yeah. I don't, I'm not calling anyone on that. If that's how you feel about it, that's fine. But dinosaurs are cool and I want to see them in more games. She, she's calling you out. <laughs> 
So next scenario, you, you've already made some jokes, but I'm sure you've got some more for it. Dino Zoo. There's a dinosaur zoo. Your player characters yeah. can be staff or visitors at the zoo. Something at the zoo goes wrong. That's all you need. It makes for a fantastic one shot. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you could get a good campaign out of that. Well, let's face it, they've not been able to get a good series of films out of it, so I don't know if you can get a good campaign out of it. But I was thinking about the Australia Zoo show that used to be on with Steve Irwin. Yeah. And how interesting that was to see him like going out into the wild and interacting with the creatures in the wild, bringing creatures back for preservation, um doing various other conservation efforts from the zoo. So that could make for quite an interesting sort of an eco-warrior type of a campaign. Well, I, I believe there was a computer game that revolved around like hunting dinosaurs and stuff like that. So I, I could see potentially, yeah, you could do that as a sort of, I suppose, sort of slightly pulpy sort of like campaign. But I think you need a bit more to it rather than just like, mm-hmm. oh, you're going out and like capturing dinosaurs. Well, that sort of comes on to... Well, that's why I was saying of it being like a conservation thing. You'd have all sorts of political stuff going on with, oh, we don't want you to build this shopping mall in the Diplodocus habitat. And what, like, we're going to try and rescue a few of them before you bulldoze that area or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you and need And then to... you've got, like, other elements to all sorts of things i think for what you're suggesting you need a very like particular sort of niche group for it though well yeah i don't personally see that this is why i'm throwing a lot of different ideas at you i I don't see there'd be a lot of overlap between the let's go out and capture dinosaurs and the i want to deal with the geopolitical machinations of uh the uh the the greenhouse effect on uh this habitat or whatever again you might have one player that's really interested in one part of that and another that's interested in the other and a couple of players who just want to do like generic banter between player characters and don't really care about the game that that's a four player group that could really enjoy that setup yeah and i mean i suppose it's no different to like if you're in a standard D game and you've got the guy who wants to talk to all the npcs and do all of his downtime stuff and you've got the guy who just wants to like kick in the door and like smash some orcs in the mm-hmm. face with a broadsword so another idea um very cliche and it's probably the only one that i've actually played in as a game okay um is a dino safari and i don't know if you remember when we were playing when we played sorry in safari i don't to be honest it was back in the previous place that we lived but anyway um the very simple premise you're a big game hunter in some uncivilised wilderness where there are dinosaurs. Okay. Um, If you think about it any harder than that, especially in 2021, it all gets very dark and colonial, and that's not what was fun about the game. What was fun about that particular game was you had two vehicles, no GM. One vehicle had two player characters, the other vehicle had the other two player characters and you're effectively two groups of hunters who are in competition with each other but also there to have each other's backs is this a role-playing game well yeah it was kind of halfway between an rpg and a board game right okay 
you had the two vehicles and you'd have to decide are you in the front vehicle are you in the back vehicle are you driving side by side the road would roll along so every turn you'd move all of the terrain pieces a few inches to one side make a roll and see what creatures were coming up okay and then if a creature came up you'd take turns and someone from van a would do the dinosaur rolls for the people in van b and then someone from van b would do the dinosaur rolls for the people in van a okay and it's quite good fun and i particularly remember this game that we did um because one of the other players got into some trouble there'd been some like banter between the two vans um the one guy he's playing like the ultimate macho man with his big gun big game hunter and the other guy's playing a sort of a bookish type character and there were like template characters in the book um they they'd been firing off against each other the whole way through the game and then we finally came up against a big dinosaur i think it was an allosaurus uh, one of the vans got crushed and that was the van that the weak guy was in the big guy he could have taken the 20 points and won the game that way but instead he scared the allosaurus off instead of killing it and letting it kill the weak guy which only got him 10 points which still won the game but I remember it specifically because he pointed to him and went young man I'm a cad not a monster <laughs> And that, just for a very simple board game of two trucks rolling along, we were able to get a lot of roleplay out of it, just from this very simple scenario of we've got two teams in competition, yeah. and the competition is shoot as many dinosaurs as you can. It didn't have to be shoot the dinosaurs, there's many other things that you could edit that too, but I remember it being a particularly fun game, and... It particularly appealed to me because the idea was that you'd get a bag of dinosaurs from a bargain shop and you'd be able to play it with that. And of course, I've got a big bucket of dinosaurs right there for playing miniatures games with. Um, Any other ideas for settings to incorporate dinosaurs into? Well, as I've said, I think dinosaurs work very well in a sort of like pulp adventure style setting. So, you know, you've got like your journey to the centre of the earth, like Delio. Mm-hmm. You've got like your your lost valley of the dinosaurs, sort of Indiana Jones style sort of like vibe, where you're ostensibly in the real world, but you come across this like small area or this sort of like underworld where dinosaurs have somehow survived the extinction that affected the rest of the planet and i do think that again partly because you say like we know that dinosaurs weren't alive when humans were it does give it that sort of slightly fantastic sort of like pulpy feel mm-hmm. so sort of hg wells type stories yeah yeah well like I say like in indiana jones or like journey to the center of the earth that sort of stuff you know when you're like you you've got like your sort of scientists and your adventurers but but they're also it's not like oh you your actual real world scientist it's like your adventurous scientist who's like well like Indiana Jones he's 
he's a professor, but he like uh, he's got his six shooter and he's <laughs> he's traveling the world looking for dinosaurs and he's he's found the secret key to the lost valley of the dinosaurs or whatever. I think that sort of thing could work really well. Again, I don't think I'd probably go for a whole campaign of that, but I think if you're running an existing campaign where you can slide that in and I've done a few D&D games where you've had like dinosaurs and whatever in like mm-hmm. a lost world area it can be a great change of pace for like a sort of short I suppose sort of mini campaign within your existing one so on to incorporating dinosaurs into your D&D campaign yeah and you were just saying that you like to have them as like a very rare thing so that it's a change of pace yeah. when people discover them um, obviously, there's some trade-off in like how common your dinosaurs are in your game world as to how fantastic they are when they appear. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think if you have dinosaurs everywhere, then they just become another animal. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, they lose that sort of fantastic element. Whereas if you keep them all, oh, they only exist in this one valley or you have to go through a special cave through the mists to like, the Lost World or whatever into like giant fern forests it makes it more fantastic it's like any monster in D&D the more you see it the more it just becomes like another thing rather than something like wondrous mm-hmm. so your next thing to consider is are they called dinosaurs and how do they relate to dragons because obviously real world we assume that many of the dragon myths are actually the result of people finding dinosaur remains. Yeah. We don't know that for definite. Hey, for all I know, there are real dragons. But what we would define as a dinosaur, if you were to say that that's the same as a dragon in front of a D&D dragon, I expect you would not be saying much after that. Yeah, I mean, personally for me, I think the, the main difference is that dragons as presented in D&D, they're obviously varying degrees, but they're all intelligent, mm-hmm. whereas dinosaurs typically are portrayed as not being... In, they're animalistic, they're beasts. So I think that's the main difference for me, and I would probably stick to like not having the two be related, to be honest, or and I'd, pro- I'd maybe throw in a throwaway reference, like, oh, perhaps some... Uh, Perhaps some primitive peoples like have mistaken dinosaurs for dragons or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I'd probably keep the two separate because I think they occupy very different niches in D&D. So then another thing to think about is how intelligent are your dinosaurs? And obviously this is like talking about building a setting from the ground up to incorporate the dinosaurs into it. Yeah. Uh, so, like real world crocodiles I didn't know they were clever enough to respond to commands um, I watched a video earlier on on YouTube because I was like how clever are crocodiles they can learn each other's names as like humans refer to them so Bob knows that you're talking about Steve when you say Steve's name and so does Steve um, <laughs> I love the way you went with two really exciting names to imagine real alligators. <laughs> yeah. But that that's... A lot of dogs and cats don't catch on to that for quite a long time. And we credit them with being very intelligent. And you've got to assume that a crocodile and a dinosaur would be of similar 
levels of intelligence and sort of what would that build to in your campaign world i mean i think again it depends on what you you want to use them for in your mm-hmm. game i mean well i say alligators might be into massively intelligent in the real world comparatively speaking but if that all the alligators are there for in your session is to lunge out of the water and attack the pcs and their boats it doesn't need to be that intelligent <laughs> and i think the same is true of dinosaurs it depends what you're wanting to use them for i mean i'd probably stick to portraying them as like animalistic purely because there's no shortage of like already intelligent races in D. uh-huh and um- so one other interesting aspect to that is that you could have animals that are as intelligent as humans that can speak to humans but have absolutely no use for any of our tiny breakable technology rubbish no need for any of our roads or any of that kind of thing no use for humans but are as intelligent as us and are unable to use our tools and weapons even if they wanted to because they've got no hands. And that could lead to some very interesting interactions when you want to cross their territory or you want something from them. Well, I know that um, in Mistara, which is like the default setting for like basic D&D like back in the day, it doesn't have gods in it. It has what are called like immortals, mm-hmm. and effectively, like people can become immortals through this long and torturous process. And I'm pretty sure one of like the default immortals in that is a dinosaur. Well, it makes sense, yeah. Um, and then you can obviously add anthropomorphic type dinosaurs, like the sort of Jim Henson's dinosaurs type, with just any lizard men type creature that's already in your D&D campaign, you just reskin it. Yeah, I think if I was going to do that, like you said, I'd probably just use it as like an alternate explanation for how lizard men came about. I probably wouldn't try and add like a sort of dinosaur man sort of race because there's already scad loads of lizard folks and dragon mm-hmm. folks and whatever else you want in D&D. So, like you said, I think reskinning's probably a better way of doing it. So then... If you're going to have dinosaurs in your game, sooner or later someone's going to want to play one. At which point you should just say no. Done. Dealt with. (laughs) Done. So, I'd say that you need to be really, really clear with that player on what that's going to entail. And obviously... I thought I was pretty clear. (laughs) Obviously, if they're just playing like an anthropomorphic lizard man type dinosaur, it's a lizard man. That's that's a lot easier to incorporate into a game world than a Brachiosaurus as a player character. So you'd have to be really clear with them about what levels of intelligence that character's got, how much they can or can't talk to and communicate with the other players and how they're going to deal with that character when they're not in the other scenes because I know some players would really enjoy playing that sort of a role yeah um, I mean you I, could have like a free willy type story from the Jurassic Park as oh poor poor Brachiosaurus needs to be got needs to be escaped from the evil villains I, I think f- <laughs> for me if I, if I was going to entertain the thought of having like 
dino, like proper dinosaur, like player characters. And it has to be something like you know they did the old like Council of Worms like campaign setting for D and D, where people played dragons, and it was mm-hmm. all built into the setting. You'd have to do something like that. I can't picture a circumstance where like you'd go like someone being like, "Oh, I'm going to play a human fighter. Oh, I'm going to play a, a a dwarf. I'm going to play a cleric. Can I play a triceratops? No, you cannot." <laughs> So, I often find the non-human characters quite interesting to play. I know, um, I can't remember what game it was where you played the dog sidekick, but you had great fun doing it. Yeah, and I, think, I could see the dino sidekick to a D&D party being quite an entertaining character to play, as long as everyone was clear on what the rules were about I, it. I think it depends on how it's implemented and... For, for my mind, there'd have to be some sort of serious setting justification. Because oh, yeah. while, whilst, like, you could be like, oh, yeah, I'm playing, like, the animal psychic of someone, unless there's, like, dinosaurs everywhere in your campaign, there'd have to be some pretty good reason why, like, someone's playing, like, a velociraptor or whatever <laughs> in a game, other than just, oh, I think dinosaurs are cool. <laughs> That's all the reason I need. <laughs> but, yeah... The the other scenario that I suggested there is uh, Kimber the White Lion, um, which is obviously all the characters in that are animals and the humans are like a species that they can't really talk to or interact with beyond them being like these aggressive monsters on the edge of society. And right, you, so we're playing again, Watership Down with Dinosaurs. Again, it could be a really fun game. You know if someone pitched to you Watership Down with Dinosaurs, you'd be half interested. You'd have to at least read the second sentence of that blurb. I wouldn't. (laughs) So, they've been there since Second Ed, and I did pull the books out, but to be honest, it's really not worth going through these I do like that picture in the Second Ed Monster Mayor, though, the T-Rex stuck in the Triceratops. Mm Mm-hmm. Now here's something interesting, or well, not maybe not interesting, but you see how the T-Rex has been drawn so that his tail's quite low, sort of like the Godzilla's tail. Yeah. That's because that drawing's from the 80s. By the 90s, he was standing more at 45 degrees with his tail like out behind him, balancing him when you saw him draw. I tell you what's also interesting. You see how that drawing looks much cooler than that one. That's because that drawing's from the 80s. <laughs> Well, and this is the other thing. The Allosaurus there, the T-Rex there, they should have feathers. Yeah, there was that whole thing about like, the we, Wrecking we, Dinosaurs. We knew feathers. by then that they had feathers, but we don't draw them with it because it was like a big argument as to how many dinosaurs had feathers and how much. We now know that these guys have feathers. We just choose to draw them naked because that's what we think they should look like in the same way that we know that the unicorn was probably a rhinoceros, but we still choose to draw it as a horse with a pointy thing. So, yeah, there are stats in the second ed book, in the fifth ed book. I assume there's stats in the third and fourth ed books Oh, there's well. definitely ones in the third ed book. Um, there's that statorama in the third ed books. <laughs> and I'm sure Pathfinder's got them as well. The, the sort of basic dinosaurs that you would need to be able to represent all of the other dinosaurs as far as you would need to for roleplay terms. 
I, I tell you what I think could be a fun thing though we've talked a bit about like mm. Jurassic Park and obviously that did a lot sort of like with the initial good film to like bring dinosaurs like more into like the, the public consciousness again I think you could do like a great fun D&D game if you just entirely ripped off like Jurassic Park and just mm. transferred it to a fantasy setting oh yeah we've got this scientist for like his walking stick with like the amber thing and the mosquito on the top of it no he's a wizard Oh yeah, he's he's got these uh, he's got these electric fences to keep the dinosaurs in walls of force, and just like replace everything that's vaguely techy with magic. Oh, something's happened! Like some sort of magical effects going out of control. Like the dinosaurs are rampaging everywhere. You're the adventurers. He's like called in to like help out or like get people off the island. I think that could be really interesting. I'm obviously a bit tongue in cheek because everyone would know where the inspiration came from, but it could still be really good fun. So we looked at these in the monster manual and you mm-hmm. basically got like the big eight dinosaurs that you see in everything that are always in a yeah. packet of dinosaurs the, the t-rex the triceratops yeah um and obviously there's shed loads of others that you might want to include um there's hundreds of thousands of different kinds of dinosaurs some of them look really cool, even though the drawings that we're doing of them now are probably well wrong. Um, and to be fair, as you were saying, even if we did get them right as far as we're concerned now, ten years' time, we'd probably find out they're still wrong. Uh-huh. But once you've got those like eight stats, you can pretty much use them to represent any kind of a dinosaur. All you need to look at is... How many legs has it got? That's going to affect its speed and its yep. tool use. Is it a two-legger or a four-legger? Oh, that's the official terms of it. Is it a bitey one or a not-bitey one? That's going to affect its aggression towards your player group, its motivation as to whether it's going to fight with you or not, whether it's going to run away from you or not, and it might affect its initiative. Other than that, not a major thing um how spiky or armor plated is it that's going to affect its speed it's ac it's attack damage yeah that's true and then how big is it because we say dinosaur and we think things like um the triceratops standing like 20 feet at the national museum or brontosaurus or, yeah, Brontosaurus, Brachiosaurus, 50 feet tall. But obviously there were some that was smaller than, like, mice. We just didn't know about them in the 90s because yes. their fossils were a lot more fragile. And, and also, then, we didn't find as many. Also, I suppose they're not as cool as, like, a big mm-hmm. monster in your D&D game. So that that's just going to be a simple adjustment of hit dice in terms of a game. And then, is it a land-going one? Is it a water-going one? Is it a flying one? Give it the relevant stats for that. And you, once you've noted like those five things, you can tweak the stats in the book already to be anything you want to represent. I was going to say, have you heard of the... Um, I completely agree. Have you heard of the... The, the idea of like just use the stats for a bear it's often quoted on online where basically someone's like if someone goes oh i need a new monster to do this there'll always be someone who's like just use the stats for a bear and just like reskin it 
because mm-hmm. it's grand. Well, we talked earlier about people misrepresenting or mistaking dragons for dinosaurs, mm-hmm. and is there a link, etc. But one of the great things about dragons in D&D is you get the different age categories and sizes of dragons, mm-hmm. from like Wormling to like Great Drake. Now, I can't imagine it take much. Let's say you want a small dinosaur, you take the Wormling, oh, can it fly? Yes, leave the flight speed on. Can it not, if it can't fly, just take the flight speed off. Take out the breath weapon and the intelligence, you've got a little tiny dinosaur. Mm-hmm. If it, like you say, if it's a bit less armoured, you knock a bit off the AC. If it's heavily armoured, your dragon's probably already got it covered, so you can probably just use a dragon stat. You want like a big T-Rex, use a bigger, an older dragon, just knock the intelligence and the spells and the breath weapon off. Exactly, and that's obviously for games that haven't already got dinosaurs statted there. Um, and you were saying that, was it this book has loads and loads of them in? Yeah, and for the benefits of those listening, this is the Osric Old School Reference and Index Compilation, which is one of the first sort of like OSR books designed to like replicate old school D&D. And this has got loads of different dinosaurs in. Like, in granted, you don't get a great deal of like bio information about each of them. But you do get stats for an awful lot of them, from Brachiosauruses to Tyrannosauruses to Dionysus. Not Dionysus, that's a Greek god. You know the one I mean. Dinonychus. That's the one I meant. <laughs> or possibly Dimetrodon. <laughs> well, you say potato, I say dinosaur. But um, it's also got a lot of other sort of... I suppose what we think of as like prehistoric sort of things. They're like mm-hmm. Archaeopteryx is in there. Mm-hmm. which I use quite a lot of my games just because I, being able to say to people like oh it looks a bit like a bird but then when it gets a bit closer it's a bit reptilian mm-hmm. and it's got these brightly coloured feathers it's something a little bit different so people are like oh what the hell is that and that that's what I like about these creatures they, it depends on how you describe them they've got that sort of like oh, I think I know what that is but I'm not sure and that makes it interesting well this is the other thing if you were to describe a velociraptor as it as we now think it probably appeared, yeah. most players would think you're describing a chocobo or an ostrich. Till it eats your gizzards. <laughs> Until its friend comes in from the side and eats your gizzards. Clever girl. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's that's a good point, actually, love, because, like you say, the this what we know about dinosaurs has moved on a lot since these stats were created. But, like you say, using the same stats... And just describing them using a bit more contemporary information could maybe give them that bizarre sort of fantastical mm-hmm. edge back again. Maybe you do describe your dinosaurs as having feathers. Because I know if someone described, like, I know what the traditional view of a T-Rex is or whatever, but if someone, like, described that, but it was covered in, like, bright feathers and was come rearing out of a jungle, I'd be like, what the shit is that? Well, similarly, if your player group is known for negotiating with dragons and then some story comes up about this monstrous beast that's terrorising this village and your player group goes wandering in with like all their um, bonuses to things to deal with dragons and they've got a T-Rex to deal with I also quite like the fact, like, let, let's say you're, you're a bit low level when you do this hypothetical adventure you know there's going to be some like cocky spot who's going to be like 
oh yeah we're too low level for a dragon it's been like a wyvern or like something like that then as you say when you get in there and it's like a t-rex or like some sort of like dinosaur that's a lot more interesting and then you've also got things like oh well if there's not dinosaurs in the rest of the campaign world where the fuck does this come from and it's then you've got the investigative bit i mean i remember playing in the um playing in the the jungles of chult campaign for fifth edition which has like dinosaurs in the sort of jungle thing and there's a bit of like a zombie t-rex in it nice and like you can come across a t-rex as part of like the wandering monster chart <laughs> and like just like knowing there's like shit like that out there in the jungle like makes it a lot more fraught and seem because chult's supposed to be like the exotic jungle land in the forgotten mm-hmm. realms and it makes it seem more exotic because we don't see dinosaurs every day we don't see them in every campaign and you only really see them on that sort of jungle bit in chult but once you come across a couple of them it makes the place seem more alien and more sort of exotic which i think is also another good um, way to use dinosaurs let's face it you want some random like valley or some place to feel like it's a land out of time it's it's like some sort of like shangri-la-esque like forgotten place bang some dinosaurs in there nothing says like the land that time forgot like dinosaurs <laughs> so uh yeah i see that i've been waffling about how great dinosaurs are for nearly half an hour now um we should probably wrap this up dinosaurs yeah. are cool so that's it for this episode hopefully we've given you some ideas or enthused you to maybe think about using dinosaurs in your own campaigns if you do use dinosaurs in your campaigns or you've got some ideas or maybe you've got ideas for future episodes, you can get in touch with us a few different ways. You can leave us a voicemail message on either SpeakPipe or Anchor. There's a link in the description down below. Or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and happy gaming. Bye. Although I've got to admit, now you said that we choose to draw dinosaurs naked, I'm just imagining that dinosaur being like. That triceratops is tucking like a dollar bill into its G string. <laughs>